Giving gifts, getting gifts, both can be a source of genuine delight. Then again, both can be fraught. This gospel tends towards the fraught, but let's start with delight. Consider where this story falls in John's gospel, the gospel according to John chapter 12. What happened in chapter 11? Just Lazarus being called out of the tomb and brought back to life. Lazarus, who now sits at the dinner table to enjoy a feast that his sister Martha has prepared. Mary wants to add her gift, a big gift, an extravagant one. Jesus is at this meal with his disciples and some of his dearest friends. He stays with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus whenever he comes to Jerusalem. And he wept, really wept, when Lazarus died. How much better to gather together again around their table. There is plenty in which to delight. Fraught? Well, consider where the story falls in John's Gospel, chapter 12. John chapter 12 begins by announcing that it is just six days before the Passover. Six days in which we learn that the religious leaders plan to put Jesus to death. Now the very next day, Jesus enters Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna. But just days later, the crowds will cry, crucify him. In John's gospel, Six days until the Passover is an alert, an alarm going off. In a week, Jesus will be nailed to the cross and die. Even within the room where they gather, so many feelings swirl. Mary offers her truly extravagant gift, and no one can ignore it, for the scent of the perfume fills the entire house. There is so much perfume, a pound of pure nard, that she can pour it all over his feet, see it spill onto the floor, and then wipe his feet with her hair. This is, without question, over the top. It would be in our day, it was in Jesus' day. But it's a gift of love and received as such by Jesus. But it's received another way by others. Here it says Judas objects, but in other accounts of this night, all of Jesus' disciples object. They have been with him ministering to the sick and the outcast, to the hungry and the poor. How can it be okay to purchase something this expensive just to anoint Jesus? Come on. But as is usually the case when we object to someone's behavior, it's better to make the objection on behalf of someone or something else. Who better than the poor? Think of what that much money might have made possible. Come on. Where is Jesus in the midst of the swirl? Grounded. Grounded in knowing that what matters most is love. So he does not push 
Mary away, for she acts out of love. But he does push back against the naysayers. Too many times over too many centuries, Jesus' words about the poor here are taken as a call not to worry too much about the poor, because after all, some problems and some people are simply intractable. But Jesus is actually quoting scripture from the 15th chapter of Deuteronomy, where Moses says, the poor will never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to the needy and to the poor. Yes, the poor will always be with you, and you, therefore, shall always open wide your hand. Care for the poor does not override our care for those we love. Our care for those we love does not override our need to care for the poor. Having dismissed that argument, Jesus again commends Mary and her gift and goes on to say that she can keep what's left for Jesus' burial. For of course, she has been anointing him as one might anoint the body of a person who has died, whom you have loved. He knows the day of his burial is within sight. It's six days just six days until the Passover. His love will soon be poured out, poured out freely on the cross, poured out for Mary, for Lazarus, for Martha, for his disciples, for his persecutors and slanderers and executioners, poured out for every one of us. Love overflowing until it fills the whole earth. In the extravagant gift she gives, Mary recalls Jesus to the costliness of love and to its saving beauty. In the most fraught days, the gift of love is the gift we always need. In Jesus, it is the extravagant gift we always get. Love poured out for us all.